What? What is this? What? What was that? Did you like that? (laughs) Wow. Welcome back, producer Dan. Wow. (laughs) So that's what you've been doing. Uh, Hey, all glad to see you on the Common Good podcast. It's a Tuesday. It's uh, the end of the end of January, thirtieth, thirtieth of January today. And uh, you might you might not recognize us. You know, this is like this is like running into your science teacher, and when you're in sixth grade, you run into your science teacher somewhere not in school, and you're like, "Hey, hang on, that is you. You're not wearing your same outfit." Uh, this is us, uh, just with a new uh, a new look. And Dan is Dan is back. If you're back, long timer. Yes, cheers or something. Back in if the If you're saddle. a long timer, you know you know Dan. Uh, if you're if you've been new, I don't know since spring or something, you may not have seen producer Dan. But uh, Dan is back. Glad to see you, Dan, and put together uh, the new look. The new um, yeah, the new look on the screen. I thought it was Can time you for a refresh. Cut back to that to that intro. To yeah, that let's intro uh, let's thing? just do Can that you intro again. Show? You know. Oh, look at it. Oh look at it. <laughs> Coming to you from Steve Bannon's neighbor's house. <laughs> Just right. having a little uh, quite epoch news, but by golly, we're going to get there. Okay, so uh, a lot going on, a lot for us to update you on, and a lot to talk about in politics. 37 degrees right now in Minneapolis on January 30th. Mm. It's going to be 40 today. Zero snow. It's going to be 48 on Wednesday uh, tomorrow. Um, it was 47 yesterday in the end of January in Minnesota. It's lovely. Yeah. We yeah. couldn't be happier. Um, I hope it's not signs of, you know, a warming planet or anything. I hope it's yeah. just a, a warm winter. So that's how it is here. How, how's it over there? Squirreled away somewhere outside of Fayetteville. Oh, beautiful. Uh, nearly 60 yesterday and sunny and, uh, you know, just just really, really nice, and also at the same time terrifying. That weather is not the same as climate, but climate impacts weather. And uh, when you have these unusual weather patterns, ah, it might be an indication that there could be something happening. And uh, something's uh, up. It's concerning to think. We got tons of snow, here. and then it all melted, and everything's flooding around here. Like everyone's basement oh. is flooding, so we got a good. Like, You've had a bunch of snow there in Michigan. In well, we Western did, Michigan? yeah, and then it was frozen huh. for a while, and then it all melted on like one day and flooded everything. Yeah. There you go. A few weeks ago, we were in uh, Iowa together, uh, the uh, the three of us in uh, Davenport, Iowa, where it was uh, minus twenty degrees. <laughs> I, uh, temperature, not not the yeah. wind chill, not the feels like temperature, not the yes. not the you know downgraded cold for the millennial generation numbers. That's right. <laughs> Full yeah. on like thermometer number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was talking with uh, Pastor Rich yesterday, who hosted us um, in, at one of our events, and uh, he was saying it was forty degrees. Uh, <laughs> We literally That's a picked 60 the degree. coldest weekend to go. Well, I don't think we picked it. Yeah. Thank you, Republican Party of, of Iowa. Uh, but a 60 degree shift in uh, in Iowa in just a couple of weeks. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. They, these are the things that, that you know, you, you all mentioned too, because, you know, Rob, you used to live in Pennsylvania. Maybe you got this. Dan, I'm sure you get it. But here in Minnesota, it was 19 below mm-hmm. two weeks ago. 
it could it could well hit 100 degrees in August. Mm-hmm. That's a 119 degree swing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like Mars on any given day. It's just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, lakes are frozen. You know, two and a half feet thick. And in a few months, we're going to be swimming in them. <laughs> just, just, it's a it's a, it's a regular occurrence when you live in a four climate uh, or a three three point three season uh, climate because uh, we really don't have spring. It really goes from fall to winter to summer. Uh, it's sort of how it goes. Uh, <laughs> hey, look at Dan. You're you're already getting hellos from Kimberly and uh, and others saying good good to see you again. Oh, People yeah. have been hanging out. Hey, um, everybody. Peggy yeah. and Jim. Hey, all right. So let's uh, let's talk <laughs> politics here. Uh, part of the, Dan's getting part of the political <laughs> part of the political move that's uh, that's afoot is. Um, happening around the border, we at Vote Common Good are going to respond in our way, which is try to intersect with a, and honestly, to be, I'd have to say this sentence, which I had to say a number of times the last few days, a Christian nationalist trucker brigade uh, is rolling into the border areas of Texas, Arizona, and California. Mm-hmm. Proclaiming themselves the army of God <laughs> to protect the border. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, so many things right up in our wheelhouse. We have a big vehicle. We want to talk about the role of faith in the existence of this world and this planet. And we care a lot about the border. It, it's, it's Freaky Friday to these people's uh, messaging, but we're going to roll down there. And if anyone wants to come with us, I mean, hop in your Prius and and find some stations along the way to charge that thing and get get down there. And we'd love to, we'd love to see you. It's it's really quite uh, quite bad the the, the messaging that's going on um, because these folks are rolling in truly saying they need to protect the southern border as an army. Mm-hmm. So they're a self appointed militia. As if anyone has asked these truckers or anyone with them to get into federal law enforcement or border patrol work. Yeah. This is what I would call a soft insurrection. Hmm. The federal government has declared that they don't want their help there. The Supreme Court has said that the razor wire that Governor Abbott of Texas has put up on the wall in Eagle Pass needs to come down. They're defying that, and these people are rolling down there to take over. And that sounds an awful lot like a version of January 6th. Yeah. The only difference is that on the website for this group, takeourborderback.com, which you should go look at, because they don't care about traffic on their, on their site. That's, that's not a problem. You'll just see how, how um, despicable this is. They have multiple warnings on the site. At the top, a pledge you have to sign not to be violent. Appreciate you know why that. they're begging people not to be violent? Because these are people that get violent. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a number of people saying like sympathizers, but saying, don't go. This is a trap. Just like January 6th, they're going <laughs> to trick us into being violent and then arrest should, people. Yeah. Yeah, these this this is the FBI uh, trucker uh, thing. Yeah, so th- no, this is 
I, I might put on an know, FBI jacket. I might order an FBI jacket from Amazon <laughs> and just walk around. Just walk around in it while we're down there. Like, do you think great. I'm an FBI agent? No, I wouldn't be an FBI agent if I was wearing an FBI agent jacket. Or would I actually be an FBI agent fooling on being an FBI agent so I could really say I declared I was one? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Listen, there is um, there has been – for a long time in American politics, um, unrestrained political rhetoric. Um, and, you know, I, I have been involved in, in um, very progressive political movements on the left that has used rhetoric like, um, you know, for the revolution – um, you know, using a lot of fight, um, metaphors, a lot of war talk, um, all rhetorically and metaphorically. There are those on the right that use the exact same terminology. Um, they, we have, we have heard, um, political leaders say things like this is a 1776 moment. Um, and the, the language that has been used about the border has been reckless rhetoric that has absolutely spawned this to talk about an invasion, to talk about an open border, to talk, to, to fear monger and talk about how we're going to lose our country and our country needs to be defended. Um, all of this stuff is, it's really reckless rhetoric because A, it's not true. And B, there's people out there that will believe you. Mm-hmm. And there is a percentage of the people that will believe you that will actually act on it. Now, I got to say, um, part of me, while, while I think, you know, this whole trucker thing is absolutely ridiculous and uh, part of me thinks, well, good on them. They've been told there's a border crisis. They've been told that Joe Biden huh? is letting millions of people, including terrorists, into the country and they are going to destroy the country. They've been told that we've that our nation is being invaded. And they are good patriotic Americans who want to defend their country. And so they're getting in their trucks to go do it. And listen, these these folks are misguided. It is it is you know they they should be smarter than this. Like the you know this yeah. it is concerning on a no- number of levels. But it sits the blame for this sits squarely on the shoulders of people like Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and these people that consistently lie about what is happening at the border and incite this kind of of of, of recklessness that is going is very much going to lead to violence and it will be on Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and the rest. And I hope that while these truckers are down there, they actually talk to some folks at the border and see the actual situation. Uh, Because that's what we're hoping to do when we're down there is show people that 
uh, this isn't an invasion. Mm. This is a publicity stunt. This is a hyped up crisis uh, for political gain. Uh, I hope these truckers recognize that when they're down there and they see that, you know, two miles away from Eagle Pass, this like contentious point with the razor wire, there's normal border fences with open stretches because it's not as big a deal as they make it out to be. And I hope they talk to some people that have come through the asylum process and hear their stories of why they traveled thousands of miles to try to come to America. It's the American dream. This this is why people want to come here because we claim to be uh, this place of freedom and opportunity and people actually believe us when we say that and they try to come here. And the the reason they're crossing the way they are is because there's not legal avenues otherwise to cross. The really great question that's asked all the time by anti-immigrant groups is, well, my parents came here legally or grandparents came here legally or great-grandparents. Why don't they come legally? Well, it's because we have stopped the legal process for people to enter the country if you're from any but a few countries. That's why. So if you think these are people who are choosing to break the law, they are not. They are often people presenting themselves at the border for asylum, Mm -hmm. and they can be accepted or rejected. When they're crossing those rivers and you see them crossing the rivers, it's because what they're trying to do is put themselves in the hands of Border Patrol. They're turning themselves in because the actual gates <laughs> at the border crossings are closed. And the only so, way you and, can and apply look, for asylum is to step foot on U.S. soil. Yeah. That's the quote-unquote yes. so, right way to do it. Yeah. That's the right way to do it. So we've created this, this situation. Now, Rob, you are exactly right that, look, this lies in the hands of those who, sh- who know and are speaking about it. The other people who know and are not speaking about it are Democrats and the Biden administration. Yeah. Uh, now, look, we are, so, so I'm supportive of them. I, I'm personally supportive of them. I hope they win. I'm going to do everything I personally can. But look, we, have, we did a bike ride almost two years ago in order to raise the awareness of the border. So we rode the whole thing. We were making a documentary about it because we knew then that Democrats don't want to talk about immigration. They don't want to talk about the border. And this administration has not done what it should be doing. Now, look, there are some legal issues that go into place. There's a lot of legal issues when it comes to international borders. But what they could be doing, should be doing, and by golly, we're going to help them try to do it, is to message about what's actually going on. Because I promise you, Google or you know, do a YouTube search of what's happening at the border, and you don't see an explainer from the United States federal government about what's going on and what's happening. All you see is crazy conversation about what's happening there. Yeah. So you're right. Some people are ginning it up in one direction and other people have their mute on on yeah. their Zoom meeting to the American people and no one can hear a thing you're saying about it. Yeah, it, and it's super sorry frustrating. Sorry for the stern voice there, administration, but good Lord. Yeah, and it's it's super frustrating because it's not just good policy, it's also good politics. Listen, they're like coming out with with a clear and 
true border message that can galvanize the good people of the United States that want to care for our neighbors, that want to be a welcoming country, that that believe in the Statue of Liberty and a shining city on a hill. Like that there are millions of Americans that that kind of message would resonate with. And listen, let's let's make this process easier and let's manage it better and let's demilitarize all of this and it it's good politics because as we have found you know our work at vote common good we talk about how there's five to fifteen percent of white evangelicals and white catholics that are flippable that in the past have voted for in the past have voted republican voted for trump that could vote for for biden or for uh, for democrats now, that means that there's 85 to 95% that aren't flippable. I get it. But we're not focused on them. We're focused on the 5 to 15% that are flippable. Because in a close election, 5 to 15% of religious voters is enough to win it's an election. a bag election. of plenty. Yep. Yes, it is. Uh, that It's near landslide proportions. The one issue where flippable religious voters are out of step with Republican leadership is immigration. There, Yes, there is 85 to 95% of people in your church that are chanting build the wall, but there's 5 to 15% of people that are like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure, so sure this jives with my values. And – and if there is one issue that could be a wedge issue to peel away evangelical, Catholic, mainline, religious voters from the Republicans, it would be immigration. And this administration has the mute button on. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, you're mm-hmm. you're missing out not just on good policy, but on good politics. Yes. Yes, it, it really did. It required leadership two years ago. Now they're in a situation where they're negotiating a bill, which no one really knows all the details. Dan's got up on the screen some of what we believe be is in there. Um, the Biden administration, day literally, truly, this was a day one thing. They acted on the border on day one of you know January twentieth, twenty twenty one. They acted on the on the border. Haven't done much since, but on day one they acted on the border. It's been the days between <laughs> after after day one. It's sort of the, the the problem with day oneism when someone's a new president. Well, like, and have been rolling sort of it back the, since day one. Because day one they lifted right. some of Trump's regulations, and now they're just softly going back to those exact going same back. ideas, different name and same effect. Exactly. And look, I, I won't beat this too long, but just to say there are at least three big buckets of conversation around this. One of those is actual border security and border management. That's what this primary bill that they're negotiating now has to do with. How many border patrol agents? How is it going to be? How are people interacted with at the border? How many judges are there? What kind of machinery and what kind of technology and all of this, right? So how are we handling the border? Is it militarized? Is it under homeland security like it is now? Or is it under health and human services? Like there's a lot of things about the border itself, okay? That's just the border. The second bucket, which is a really big bucket, is the actual immigration system by which people can receive visas, 
there are more than a hundred visas that you could apply for in the United States. It's far too complicated. We have all kinds of regulations about how many visas can be distributed to people from what particular countries. That's the part that's broken. When people talk about changing our immigration policies, that's normally what they're talking about. That can include the dreamers. That can include people who's who received visas and they've expired. There's the whole thing about who can come into the country under what rules and how. That's where the problem lies. That is what Congress should solve. That's why there are people sleeping in encampments on the Mexico side of the border. And that's why detention centers are full, because the rules that we have in place. And look, these are not laws of nature. These are laws created by the United States Congress. Just change them for yeah. the love. So that's that's the second bucket. And then the third bucket is what do we particularly do around the refugee situation? And that's kind of a subset of, of the of visas. But if we could separate out work visas, people coming to the country to work, people coming to the country to unify with their family, from those who are coming because they're in crisis in their own country and need to be in the United States as a refugee, we should be separating those situations, and we're not. So yeah. when you hear, and this all gets mixed together, right? We're going to mix it together in the stuff we're talking about. It's it's always it's much more of a soup than it is a charcuterie board. So all of these issues, border and visas and refugees and all the rest, is all floating in there together. So it does get a little bit complicated. But what they're talking about now does not do with the with how the border is going to be handled is not going to solve any of the conditions by which this has all been created in the first place. Yeah. But uh that will not that will not stop Republicans and Democrats from <laughs> trying to turn this into some kind of, you know, political football that they can score points with. And Republicans yes. have realized like, "Oh no. If we pass a major border bill, a yes. bipartisan border bill, um in conjunction with negotiating with Democrats and the president uh, during an election year, uh, we're going to like take this, you know, this mm -hmm. issue off the table for us to demagogue. And Donald Trump, I think, was the first one to realize this and began pulling strings mm -hmm. amongst the Democrat or amongst the Republican Party saying, listen, no deal on the border. Like he yeah, wants this issue. Mm -hmm. He wants to keep yes. the issue for all of the talk about solving it. Like and and so now what we've got is Republicans in uh in absolute revolt against themselves. And this story <laughs> out of Oklahoma is hilarious. Yeah. Oklahoma Senator, um oh shoot, James Lankford Lankford. Yep. Um uh has been censured by the Oklahoma Republican Party <laughs> because he was negotiating with Democrats on this border bill. <laughs> as, as if negotiating with the other political party in the country is somehow fraternizing with the enemy. Yep. It's the language Negoti they use. Yes, negotiating with terrorists. <laughs> like I so here's the quote from Langford 
he said, it is interesting. Republicans four months ago would not give funding for Ukraine, for Israel, for our southern border because we demanded changes in policy. So we actually locked arms together, said we're not going to do this. We want to change in the law. And now it's interesting. A few months later, we're finally getting to the end and they're like, oh, just kidding. I actually don't want to change the law because it's a presidential election year. His own party has said, like, don't do this. Yes. It's a political tool for us to have a crisis. Yep. 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 Yeah. And we don't want anything that would, you know, give. <laughs> Listen, there's two things here. This this bill is not going to solve the border issue. It's not. But what it does do, it politically, it gives it would give Democrats a talking point, give them some kind of victory that they, you know, that they can at least blunt what has turned into a very pro, you know, the because Republicans have talked about the border while Joe Biden and his administration has had the mute button on and not mm-hmm. talked about this. What they have allowed to happen is they have allowed uh Republicans to dominate the this issue and to set the the narrative and yes. and that narrative's been set and and so only something like a a bill passing can reframe that narrative uh, you know that's one of the thing that's one of the impacts of this bill passing is it would reframe the narrative and the Biden administration would be able to say yeah we've been tough on the mm-hmm. border look at this bill mm-hmm. that we passed regardless of what it is or what it does, it gives them that talking point, takes it away from Trump and gives it to Biden for the election. And look, we can be, we can be pretty honest here about the fact that Republicans lose when it comes to national elections and they lose when it comes to some larger statewide elections in places that they should be winning. They're going to lose on this one, no matter how it goes. If they do squirrel in a bill and it passes, that's going to take away a lot of the fire from the Trump and the and the Republican uh, attempt to try to use this in the, in the November election. If they don't, if House Republicans stop this bill, Joe Biden's going to go stand at the border and say, "You should have passed the bill. We need <laughs> we need a new cut." Right? Even even though he wouldn't really want the bill, there. I think the White House now, after all these months and years of being quiet on this, are now like. Hey, one of the best things that could happen because this bill isn't great is that we don't pass this bill, but Republicans have to own the fact that they said no to the very bill that they previously wanted. <laughs> so it, it could, because look, if they pass this bill, there's a lot of activists in the Democratic Party. They're going to be pretty upset with the Biden yes. administration for, for partnering on this. Now, I'm not sure yeah. someone's going to. Yeah, we, we may be having a, a screen that looks like, you know, uh, Democrats censure Joe Biden for negotiating with Republicans. <laughs> you know, some people, that very well, that very well could happen, happen as well. Um, but this is, this is what years of neglect, right? This, that's what this is. This is, this is like our attic that got a bunch of frost in it and water came rolling down in my house. It was years of insulation neglect that caused that situation to happen. Mm-hmm. This is decade upon decade of inaction from the United States government on the process by which people can enter the country. Yeah. If you want a simple answer to it, well, you should just go look at Veronica Escobar's bill. She's a congresswoman from El Paso, Texas. Great bill. She answers nearly everything to my satisfaction. But the simple answer is create a work visa program 
where people can come to the United States and work and go back to Mexico and come back and work Mm -hmm. and free the flow so that you can travel both ways. And if you think that's crazy, just plan your trip to to Cancun this uh, this spring and fly into Mexico, have your vacation and fly home. (laughs) You know, most people who live in in Mexico or in Central America or in South America do want to work in the United States. They don't all want to live here. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. I would like it if they did because, friends, we've driven this country. We've biked this country. It's mostly empty. And there are dying towns all over America. The thing they need are more people. The notion that is created, I'm going to get real preachy here for a second, <laughs> because of Democratic governors in, in cities like Chicago mm-hmm. and New York, and then Republicans in, in Houston, hoarding the refugees that have come to their cities, and then creating a crisis because there's not room for them, and making people think that the country is full, that is created because they're keeping them in the confines of the city. If Chicago has a problem with too many refugees, could we introduce you, Chicago, to Evansville, Illinois? Could we introduce you to any other town, Illinois? New York, could you not hold everyone inside the boroughs of the city of New York and share those refugees with the rest of the state? Or heavens uh, forbid, the rest of the country? Like the reason there's a crisis is because any single city cannot take on all the refugees that are showing up there. Mm-hmm. Create the process by which people can be moved to other places where they will have a better experience and a better life. But these are people that don't even have the means to get out of New York City or to get out of Chicago. And why is that happening? Because these city mayors want to argue with their own states about funding. So when you hear this stuff about our cities are overwhelmed with too many migrants, that's also solvable. The The country needs more workers, more participants. And, and look, if you're an old school Republican, just dig down deep to the past. Just <laughs> think of the cocoa when you were a child. Think about your, your parents when they were talking about good economic theory. And they would say to you, sweetie, it's all about supply and demand. What we need to do is not decide how we're going to divide up what we already have in this country, but how do we expand the pie? You know how you expand the pie? You know how you grow the economy? There's one way. More people participating in the economy. We have 350 million citizens and residents in this country. If you let in 3 million, 3 million, which we haven't let in 3 million migrants cumulatively in, you know, over decades. If you're in 3 million just this year, do the math real quick. You can do it on the back of your, of, of your, uh, your, your <laughs> napkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 1%. Do you think we're going to overflow the country with 1% of population increase? Now, you put 400,000 people into Chicago, that's a problem. So the, the, all of these things that, that even Democrats, even liberals are like, yeah, but we do have too many people. And what about our schools? And Okay, I understand your anxiety ridden about that. Understand the country. I mean, it's amazing how 
easy it is to not remember how big the country is, how diverse the country is, and how many opportunities there are in this country. Mm -hmm. So there are so many things that can be being done about this. And what's not happening is any of them. (laughs) Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, I want to get back to this quote from Trump. Uh, He was giving a speech in Nevada, and regarding this bipartisan bill, he said, as the leader of our party, there is zero chance I will support this horrible open borders betrayal of America. And then he goes on to say, um, if elected, he will act as, quote, this is a quote, as dictator for one day, end quote, to do it. He's talking about closing the borders. Mm-hmm. He's actively working against the bipartisan effort, even though parts of it are straight out of his policy playbook. He's literally <laughs> doubling down on the dictator for a day thing. Like it wasn't just that he said it one time. He's like, no, no, my plan is that's a good idea. Just for a day, dictatorship. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. <clears throat> uh, can we talk about some other ridiculous things? Oh, I'd love like to, more, please. Like Congress, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Uh, Jumped from uh, her congressional district that she currently represents to a new one because she was going to get beat. And uh, you might remember that she won re-election against Adam Frisch uh, by only by less than 600 votes in 2022 to one of the closest elections in the country. Um, and in a bit of a shock. Adam Frisch is running again on his way to victory, and Lauren Boebert realized that the only way that she could um, remain in Congress would be to jump to a safer Republican district, less of a less of a. And, and it makes you wonder if that district was like a battleground district because of her. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so so she decided to jump from the third district to the fourth district, and uh, they had a little event. Uh, where the candidates uh, that were running spoke. And uh, they did a little straw poll after the people that were there. And uh, and Lauren Boebert finished in fifth place. With 12 Um, votes. With 12 votes. (laughs) 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 Now, of course, the person who won got 22 votes. (laughs) So it's not a big event. It's not not a big event. Not an official... Did no, you but catch there were eighty nine of- people. There were eighty nine people there. If you do the quick math, there that voted. Seventy seven of them said no to Lauren Boebert. Yeah, <laughs> seventy seven out of eighty nine. And did you no, catch any of the her. video clips from like the little town hall debate they were having amongst the candidates? One of the other candidates asked Boebert. Can you read me the definition of a carpetbagger? <laughs> <laughs> like they were not holding any punches. Uh, yeah. It's like you're trying yeah. to move into our district. You've never lived yeah. here. You don't know anything about it. Ironically, it feels like <sighs> awesome. it feels like Colorado Republicans are going to rid us of Lauren Boebert. <laughs> I think and, so. Uh, wow. And it is just like wow. Thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, this political calculation on her part uh, is just, you know, is just all wrong and hilarious. But she's not the only she's not the only congressperson who's got some, you know, weird things going on, Um, you know, making some calculated political moves. Matt Gates told a friend that he took down Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Because of the House ethics probe (laughs) into Matt Gaetz's alleged uh, sex trafficking 
and uh, you know using you know using Venmo to uh, to pay for dates and uh, taking them across the border or across state lines and uh, you know all sorts of different things that Matt Gates has uh, been accused of and there's a house ethics probe into all of that and uh, he was he's not happy about that so he decided to uh, to take down the the boss the godfather of uh, the Republican House caucus and uh, and Kevin McCarthy I guess has himself to blame for losing the speakership if he had just left Matt Gates alone maybe he would be the one <laughs> trying to keep the government from shutting down again. Yeah, so funny, just the infighting and the, the drama there. Dude, just seeing the two of them on that screen again, it just brings me back to those days <laughs> when uh, Kevin McCarthy was the Speaker of the House. And <laughs> now he's not. And I just can't wipe the glee off of my face. Um, but the fact that Kevin McCarthy is gone and Matt Gates is still there... Uh, mm. That says a lot. And and look, th- we knew, we talked about it. Anyone paying attention knew this was all about personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. That's why when they bring in somebody else like Mike Johnson. He does exactly the same thing Kevin McCarthy did in negotiating budget bills and not shutting down the government and everything, that he's not being impeached. And reporters and others were playing along in the, you know, in the cosplay that is political coverage of this. Saying, well, boy, that's ironic. I don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah, because <laughs> Matt Gates and others didn't hate. They don't hate Mike Johnson yet. They hated Kevin not McCarthy. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all that was. Um, all, all along. And, uh, you know, so, so that's, that's how it goes. And look, if, if, we, if we invest too much in the belief that current Republicans care about the institution of anything... Um, we're just we're just playing the fool because they don't care. They just truly do not care about how the House of Representatives functions. They really see it as the problem. I'm sure Lauren Boebert, to connect this story to the past one, if she's if she's out of office, she'll just go around saying how happy she is to not have to, you know, uh, be around those people that she kind of despises in that work that she thinks isn't even important to the American experience. Yeah, they, they just don't care. Truly, do not care. And would rather see it come to an end, um, the, the the way we function in the in our political system, than to serve it. And some Republicans aren't that way. Some Republicans really do think that uh, having a federal government that functions in some frame that we've had for uh, you know a few hundred years plus, they think that's a good idea. But the majority of them seemingly don't at all. And Matt Gates and and even Kevin McCarthy are, are in that group. They just don't. They just don't care. It's just a game of power for them. And, you know, Kevin's probably out golfing and he's probably signed some big contract to work for a hedge fund and he couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah. He's investing in a cannabis company. Who knows? <laughs> it's maybe morphing, maybe he got into, into crypto after hearing a sermon from this pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you set this over. <laughs> this and, story is oh so Oh my funny. gosh. This pastor is accused of a $3 million crypto scam he says he may have, quote, misheard God because God told him to do all this. Uh, and, and part of what's so irritating to me is he uses exactly the same microphone and same microphone stand. Oh, that no, I'm, see, they, Doug, pay closer attention. That's the cheap version 
of the Sure. That's the the oh, USB version of the SM7B. So, so uh, don't you, you worry. I was feeling, <laughs> I was feeling like I needed to re, you know redo my setup. Uh, yeah, look, this guy. I may have misheard God. What's <laughs> wonderful about it is who hasn't that. His <laughs> Maybe I made this bullshit up. That's not his argument. <laughs> his argument is, no, I heard something. I mean, I'm I'm in commune with God. I have heard God. I just misheard. <laughs> this is incredible, though. He admits to all of it in this video message. Uh, he confirmed that he and his wife made 1.3 million from selling this worthless cryptocurrency of which they spent a few hundred thousand dollars on a home remodel that the Lord told us to do. <laughs> he goes on to say, either I misheard God and every one of you who prayed and came in, you as well, or two, God is still not done with this project. <laughs> just, oh, this is the yeah. genius of the human. Uh, this is where we just pause and, and applaud humanity's ability to continue to remind us that we are the heroes of our story. No matter what you do, <laughs> you are Just... still a work in progress. It's not done yet. No, no look, th there's a way to explain all of life that you're always in the middle of something and you're always at the end of something. There's probably some song about you don't have to stay here, but you, you can't go home or whatever. There's always some, uh, or the other way around, there's always some new beginning that some other beginnings end, all this. Sure. That's, that's, that's true. But when someone is so brazen as to be like, okay, I committed a, a fraud and, um, but the Lord told me to, or told me to do something else. And it might be that the remodel wasn't enough. We may need to purchase a new place altogether. Maybe that's what the Lord was really saying. It might've been what I misheard. Yeah. My heart, my heart was too hard. I didn't hear move into a new place, but I, I am here to be humbled, and mm -hmm. I do take the you know five hundred thousand dollars we have left, and we're going to now purchase a new place altogether. For that is clear. <laughs> it is just something else. The, uh, like, why can't people, especially those of us who are into God and into God uh, speaking and God connection to humanity language? Just say stuff like, I don't know, I, I thought it was, but turns out it wasn't. Mm -hmm. the, the like careful, um, boy, you know, sometimes it's hard when the when the connection to the e-cam falls away and I didn't hear all of it there, but just a, it was just a little, just a little miscommunication. <laughs> I have Not, never I, trusted I, I, anyone I, I, who uh, says uh, stuff like this, though. No. Someone says that, God told them to do something, immediate red flags. Unless mm -hmm. it's God told me to love my neighbor because Jesus <laughs> said it and some people wrote it down. I remember this one time my wife and I helped start a church. So we committed to a year of this church plant, doing the music for it, not getting paid. And at the end of the year, we told them, ah, we're actually going to move uh, back home and... Uh, got a real job there. And they were like, Ooh, that's funny because God told us that you're supposed to stay and oh, continue yeah. to work for free. Oh. <laughs> I was like, huh, God told me something God different. Told 
God told me to tell you that that wasn't God that told you. (laughs) So I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about this. You brought it up. God was concerned that you were being deceived by some other voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the oldest, probably the oldest trick in the book, right? True. Like if you go back like ancient written texts that follow, at least in the Jewish tradition and therefore the Christian tradition, one of the early narratives in there was, did God really say to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not, you're not a couple of paragraphs in before that story is right at your feet. Can can we, can we jump back again? Can we jump back in this story for a second? There is a whole crypto culture that exists out there on the internet. Um, there's crypto bros that like, you know, follow all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. This guy probably was one of them. And, uh, you know, got, you know, some crypto bro on, on YouTube confused mm-hmm. with God. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how God speaks oh, when yeah. you look into when you search on YouTube about how to launch a cryptocurrency. Um, Long-haired guy with a beard and yeah, a, and yeah. A it was. But, can, but what we know about church life? Three former pastors here talking about church life. What we know about church life is that the money is not with the young people. <laughs> The money in church life is with older folks. This pastor convinced people to purchase $3 million of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm a crypto bro, I'm going, I'm not buying for this. Like I'm buying Ethereum or, you know, Bitcoin or something that I actually know about. Not this like, you know. Nothing crypto. The people that are buying this crypto are, I don't know, it's older folks. Could you, I, I'm just, I'm just, just imagine with me how this pastor needed to teach people about how to buy crypto. <laughs> He deserve like he deserves some credit for that. Like explaining, okay, here's here's your wallet. Here's how you get it set up to Web three and yeah. Do you think like, he was walking through these baby boomers like how to do all this on their iPhones or did he hire oh, someone yeah. to do the tech support for him? <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> if this guy got you know boomers in his church to spend three million on crypto, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, he had a lot of support though. There was all that movement, you know, that Friedman fella has now gone to jail. That FTX thing, I think, has totally collapsed. There was big things on the Super Bowl a few years ago. He's actually a real, you know, in the innovation yeah. curve of fraud, he's way down on the falling end of it. The <laughs> long tail of internet fraud who already who already softened up. Where this guy came in and just Christianized it. He just baptized. Yeah stupid idea that we call cryptocurrency. And I mean, big banks were into it. Like that, that, that Friedman, what's the guy I'm thinking it was? Yeah. Sam Friedman. Sam Mm -hmm. Friedman, something or another. Um, Sam Friedman's cellmate, I think. Like (laughs) so many people were like, oh, they're just brilliant. This is the future of money and the future of currency. Just 
nonsense, and we won't even get into NFTs, just nonsense on the crypto <laughs> level. And, you know, sir, somebody should write and, you know, probably call me and say, hey, do you even crypto, bro? Um, no. I, it, so this guy is just a scammer, right? Late, I, I get your point, Rob, that he got $3 million out of people in Colorado <laughs> to, uh, to be on the side, which, you know, uh, and really, I think it says even in the Denver area, maybe, well, maybe just also, Denver. Well, he's, yeah, targeting Denver's Christian community, but he's an online pastor. So I don't even I, know I, if this guy has a real church. He's just a, he's like he's us. He's YouTuber. set up in his basement. He's a YouTuber. <laughs> he doesn't even have a fake background behind him. Now that I'm looking at him, I'm like, hey guys, hey guys, hold on. I'm hearing something. <laughs> hearing something from the Lord. I'm hearing something and I feel like the Lord is on my side. Do you hear good it? Coin, oh, good, oh. Coin. <laughs> good coin. I, good I think, coin. I think I think good coin might be a thing. I just yeah. heard a voice. <laughs> Common good coin. Good coin. Yeah, Common good currency. I'd like to introduce you to a whole Common whole, good currency. <laughs> we can, we're gonna we're gonna just print as much as necessary to accomplish <laughs> yeah. what we want. <laughs> we're gonna MMT this stuff. Hey, in in the meantime, if you don't want to, you know, send pastors your money for cryptocurrency, but you do want to send money to former pastors to put detail <laughs> in the box, go to votecountygood.com right now and yeah. Yeah. to the border. Uh, we're still a couple of thousand dollars, maybe under that, away from uh, this fundraising goal we had because this thing popped up where we're going to Eagle Pass to be in the way of the Christian trucker, Christian nationalist trucker brigade. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we're going to start rolling tomorrow. So uh, if you want to be part of that, literally, if you want to be part of it, come meet us somewhere along the way. Maybe San Antonio. Yeah, uh, maybe literally, Dallas. if anyone has experience driving a 40-foot bus, we could use one more driver. So. <laughs> yeah, we could use one. Uh, we'll take anybody. Uh, no, uh, no, no background checks required. <laughs> we will require you to lay on the, on the pavement in, in front of all of these truckers, however. <laughs> Well, that's what the bus. Oh, no, no, we're not doing that. No, uh, but there's a lot, a lot going on there. Um, and we'll get so anyway. If you're watching this, anywhere you're watching this now, we will keep updates flowing from our uh, from our truck, our trek there. Um, and look, they're going to have more trucks there than we will. Um, <laughs> we see ourselves as the needle, not the balloon. So um, it doesn't take much pressure sometimes to deflate these really ridiculous ideas. And uh, we're going to go down and uh, try to introduce them to some ideas that would be um, much better for them. So votecommongood.com is where you can be part of that. If And hopefully all the stuff we talk about here is slightly entertaining, always informative, but also invitational. So we'd love to have you be part of it. All right, Rob, we know you've got to go. And this time, not just for personal needs, but for uh, for work purposes. So should we end it end it now and dan thanks for the new uh oh new fantastic yeah. the uh all of the chat today was uh people saying hello and cheering dan being back and then uh just it was pretty quiet from uh Jim I know exactly and it's me yeah Squirly still, prepper and peggy still there anybody still there is this thing on <laughs> <laughs> all right okay well, we'll see you all uh, soon yeah, so this week's schedule, for those of you that keep up on this, um, it's going to be a little hit and miss because we're going to be on the road again. But uh, follow us on the social media. We'll be updating there from, from the board. Mm, bye. Bye. Bye.